Obviously, that was the call last night at 5.30 p.m. Mass, doing a beautiful version of Chris Tomlin's Good, Good Father. I'm recording this intro after we've recorded the podcast because Jorge and I are here in silence uh, for about 10 minutes because we just... Uh, Jorge, you could chime in. I think this is the most powerful podcast we've recorded. Uh, it, 10 episodes in, and, and we finally hit the sweet spot here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we didn't do a sports segment because uh, we went into... The power of fatherhood and how fatherhood changes you, and you hear me come to the conclusion, yeah, we're not, you know, it's trivial. Um, this is just an incredible podcast. Please share it, and Jorge, away we go. Let's do it. Good Monday morning, and happy Father's Day, Father. Thank you. Happy Father's Day, Jorge. Thank you. Appreciate that. You brought it yesterday. I did. Which one? Because, Both of them. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I preach at 10.30, and and this happens to me quite a bit. I preach at 10.30, and 10.30 is, you know, a very steady audience. You, you attend that Mass. You, you know where everybody's sitting. You know where everybody is, and, and you know uh, kind of the rhythm of that Mass. 5.30, we're still developing a little bit. For sure. You know, 5.30, you know, it, it's still, and it was, it was a huge storm that was coming, descending upon uh, the church, and people got there, and and then really didn't start raining until right around communion. But I had sound effects during the homily. But I get to 5.30 and I start essentially preaching the same homily. I, I did leave a couple of anecdotes out that I was going to leave. Uh, uh, that I said, you know, I forgot this at 10.30. Let me use it at 5.30. And the first one, and I led with one of the anecdotes I left out. And when I said that, anecdote, it wasn't a joke. It was just something that I thought was going to really, it was, it, was a, it was something I thought was going to impact the people. And when I finished the anecdote, thought, silence. Yeah, yeah, silence. <laughs> So I go up, you know, go up to the line and I call an audible, you know, because it's like, okay, this isn't, uh, this is a different audience. And and this is something, by the way, your priests are constantly dealing with because, you know, whatever mass we say, there's a different, and you could say, oh, it's the same word of God. Yes. But how you deliver it Absolutely. is different. So if I were to say that, you know, I had preached that homily on, you know, get to what the context of the homily is. By the way, folks, if you ever want to, if you want a background before you hear the podcast, go to uh, the 1030 Mass uh, live stream of the, of the homily and hear the homily because it takes up too much space in this yeah. podcast. So we're not going to post it here. <laughs> That's if I give the 1030 Mass that day. But anyway, so uh, we'll get to that in a second. 
But yeah, sometimes priests have to do that. And just to give you a little bit of inside baseball and what and what goes on in my mind. So it took me a good probably two thirds of the homily and 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 at five thirty mass to finally so get clicking. And I and I, we, and I you know Jorge had not heard my homily and I played that last third excerpt for him right now before we started recording and and it was like yeah we went he, I went somewhere that I didn't go and we'll get into that. Uh, that I didn't go at the 10:30 mass because there's so much rit- richness yesterday when you're talking about it's Father's Day, it's the year of Saint Joseph, it's uh, Jesus in the boat during the storm, storm in our lives. You're going through a pandemic or coming out of a pandemic, yep. however you want to view it. And there's so much going on that we're going to get into today. But there was there were things that that caught your attention as you were wrangling children. Absolutely, yeah. Being a good good father. Yeah, and that's the. The fun part of going to mass with the with the three year old and the one year old, it's pay attention to the homily for thirty seconds and then you know correct or and then or, you, or, or quiet down one of the kids and then pay attention again and then you know Lexi needs to go to the bathroom. There then, you go. And then miss you know three minutes of the homily and come back. What I miss? <laughs> yeah. But you know it's we're there and that's that's what that's, that's what's, what's important. important. I mean, that's what you tell the parents and just bring them. You know something will stick. And and the good thing about the live stream is that. You know, if you miss something and you, something was catching your attention, and you go, "Danny, I gotta go to the bathroom." Yeah, you know, go right back. You can go right back and listen. You did, <laughs> so I did. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the gospel this week. You know, the the storm on the Sea of Galilee, and and it unfortunately didn't come out very clearly in the bulletin, but it was actually the background photo of the of the readings page, which which we try to, uh, you know, we we try to match it up to to whatever the theme or, or the gospel is that. Um, that particular it would week. have been on the cover, but it was we put Saint Joseph it's, because it was Father's Joseph. Correct. Father's Day. Um, but uh, I mean, uh, uh, again, one of my favorite readings because again we, we get back to the the humanity of of the uh, of the apostles. And speaking of that, just before we we launch into this again, Wednesday we are starting our summer formation series uh, as we watch the Chosen together in Comber Hall at seven thirty. Look, I remembered the time today. Uh, so 7.30 over in Comber Hall, we'll watch that as a parish, eight weeks, eight episodes, and um, and Father um, Father Manny and Father Omar will stick around afterwards to lead a discussion and answer questions. Uh, but really a, a beautiful depiction of Jesus Christ and the apostles as mm-hmm. as we get to know kind of their, well, what we imagine would be their backstories and, and you know, see aspects of their humanity that, that maybe we, we don't catch what, just reading, uh, you know, the, the text in in the... Uh, in the Bible, but we see him. We saw it yesterday. But we saw it yesterday. You know, and, and that storm and you, the the line that you that you and I said you brought it at the five thirty. You said I'd rather be with Jesus in the boat uh, than during the storm. During the storm than on the beach. In the security. In the security. Yeah. So I'd rather be with Jesus in the boat in the middle of the storm than in the security of the beach. And and what better security is there than Jesus Christ? Right. And that's why I love this this gospel passage because Jesus is sleeping. I mean, you, you, if you've ever been in a boat that's being rocked back and forth, uh, you're not sleeping. That's <laughs> I, I went uh, summer of my eighth grade year. I did a study abroad for a few weeks in England. Uh, it was like a like a two week, not really study abroad, but I went and we crossed the English Channel Ooh. from from England to uh, to Ireland, and that was awful. And no one slept. No one slept. So when uh, 
when I'm reading this, you know, you're in the middle of this storm and Jesus is asleep. And of course, the, the apostles are afraid and, and really they reach out and, and ask Jesus, you know, do you not care? And what a, you know, when, when you think about the, the, the stupidest things that the apostles could say, <laughs> you know, they say to Jesus, do you not care about us? Like, hello, do you realize who you're talking to? Um, but, but again, just the, the, the humanity of these men that comes through and, and that's, you know, having having experienced, and, and I always go back to that uh, that experience in England, you know, of, of that boat and, and the fear that we had because we were being tossed about in that. And those are not friendly seas. No, they are not. Uh, whether it's the North Sea, the Celtic Sea, the English Channel, those are not friendly seas. And when you go out, and, and I talked about it at the beginning of the homily yesterday of our father taking us out on, on a very small boat, yep. 17 feet is, is, you know, it's bigger than a dinghy, but... Uh, it's it's for five for five of us. Yeah, we were three small children, and my mom and my dad. But you know, we went out and we we had and I was talking to my father yesterday afternoon about this, and he was and I was thinking about one storm, and he was thinking about another storm. Yeah. I was thinking about one that we had near Key Biscayne on you know in Biscayne Bay near um, near uh, Bill Back State Park. He was thinking of when we endured around Elliot Key, and now in Key Biscayne, you're closer to the port in Elliot yeah. Key. There's nothing around there. But yeah, but we never felt, you know, first of all, we're children. And when you have your father in the boat, you know, and that's the point that I was making. When you have your father in the boat, you feel secure. Now, the apostles, obviously, this is very early on in the the ministry of Jesus. This is chapter four of of St. Mark's gospel. So the disciples really haven't, you know, Really haven't gotten to know Jesus mm-hmm. yet, you know. They ha- we've had some. We had we had a parable last week, you know. You had some, you know, you know, some back and forth in terms of not really any, uh, you know, any miracle, big miracles so far. But but they have this question. They do have, you know, in chapter two they have the healing of the paralytic, uh, but and you have a, you know, in the first chapter even you have a cure of, de- a de- uh, of of someone who is possessed, a cure of Simon's mother-in-law, but. These are, you know, they're still, you know, getting it's not the, for yeah, it's yeah. not the feeding of the five thousand yet. It's not the raising of Lazarus yet, even though that even the raising of Lazarus doesn't come out in Saint Mark in Mark's Gospel, but it prompts a question at the end: Who is this that even that even the winds and the sea obey? So they're still getting to know this Jesus. So he's asleep in the back of the boat, and waves are coming, boats filling up. And they're, we're perishing. Yep. We're perishing. We're going to die. Now, the Sea of Galilee, you know, it, it's, yes, it's, it's a huge lake, sometimes called the Lake of mm-hmm. Genesaret. But, you know, you and I have both, you know, traveled there and you and I have both seen it. And you could equate the Sea of Galilee if you, if you probably put a bookend around Biscayne Bay. Yep. All right. And yeah, Biscayne Bay can get you know choppy at times. If there's a big storm out there, absolutely it can. Trust one of those storms that I, with my father, we were, we were rocking by. In fact, he told us a detail. Told me a detail yesterday that when we were in Elliot Key, he anchored the boat and gave it 200 feet of, of rope. I didn't know we had 200 feet of rope in that 17 <laughs> foot boat, but 200 feet of rope to so that we wouldn't rock back and forth well, so much. Um, so my dad. Help to stay secure. The disciples, now they look, they did look to Jesus for security. That's good. No. All right. But still, where is their faith? 
Where's your faith? Jesus says, why were you terrified? Do you not, do you not yet have faith? That's the thing. Do you not yet mm-hmm. have faith? And this would be a theme for the disciples throughout Jesus' life. And for all of us. And no, for sure for, for all of us. It's been the theme for 2,000 years. <laughs> right, and it's really been the theme for the last year and a half because we've endured a major storm in our collective lives, which is the pandemic. And, you know, children have had to look to their fathers and to their mothers to, for security, for reassurance that things will be okay when normalcy, as we knew it, was taken away from us. But we always needed, you know, Jesus with us. We always needed that assurance that he was with us. And so people, you know, clung to their faith through live stream, through, you know, reading more, the, the, reading the Bible more at home, reading more devotions, reading more spiritual books, reading the catechism, all these things and all the different things that churches did that put, they put out through the internet and, and in social media, which is remarkable. And people clung to that. But still, we need more assurance. And so at 5.30 Mass yesterday, that storm was, was bearing down upon the church. And it was during my homily. So I'm talking about the, the storm. thunder and lightning. And <laughs> at one point, I'm like, it's like God has given me sound effects during the homily. Like if you were doing it here in studio and give me sound effects during this, during this podcast. So, yeah, we need the security of Jesus, even though that may take us into a storm. And folks, being Catholic right now, you know, is being part of the storm for sure, and it's and it's going uh, you know head first into the storm. It, it's knowing. I mean, we've we've heard it from our, the Holy Father over and over. Not just uh, Francis, but Benedict and, and John Paul before uh, to be countercultural. It, so so we're purposely going, uh, almost creating a storm. Not just going into the storm, but but taking taking our faith so seriously and and making it such a vital part of of our identity. That we become a storm in in the norm of culture, um, you know. So, so almost providential. Then you know, kind of changing gears here. That these readings come on Father's Day. Yeah. Uh, because you know, we, we talked about security. We talk about you know, needing Jesus with us, wanting to be with Jesus. And, and yes, Jesus is the Son and not the Father, but but He is God. Uh, so I always kind of laugh a little bit when. We, I say to Lexi or, or to MJ, and I point to a picture of Jesus, and I say, "Who's that?" And they go, "Papa Dios." Mm-hmm. I go, "Well, yes, but no." Yeah. <laughs> but but the let's, sense, not, let's not get into the, the yeah details of the Trinity just yet <laughs> when the children. Um, but but the point is you know, that, and, and we and we look at Saint Joseph as a prime example, and and you mentioned it. I don't have the the exact quote, the words that you used, but but you started to describe all these characteristics of Joseph. Uh, you know, he was he was steadfast. He he was virtuous he was uh just he was honest he sacrificed his entire life for his family and that's in joseph we see these same uh characteristics of god the good father you know we see the characteristics of that that is the the definition of a good father you know someone who, who we can absolutely trust who we can you know throw ourselves into his arms in the middle of a storm and know, as you said at the 530, I'd rather be with Jesus in the boat in the middle of the storm, you know, for all the craziness that that is, than, you know, just walking around on the beach because I know what I'm going to get with Jesus. Right. I have no idea what's going to happen on the beach. And 
I didn't mention in the morning mass, but I did in the evening mass, went a little deeper into St. Joseph, and I quoted what I quoted in the bulletin, which was, um, you know, Francis's letter of Saint, about St. Joseph in December called Patris Corde, with a father's heart, and how Pope Francis describes the relationship of Joseph and Jesus and Joseph's fatherly relation with Jesus. He says this, in his relationship to Jesus, Joseph was the earthly shadow of the Heavenly Father. He watched over Jesus, protected him, never leaving him to go his own way. So that's such a beautiful image. In fact, there was a lady that after 1230 Mass that said, Father, thank you for, for emphasizing that point. I love that point about the earth, about the earthly the shadow. shadow. <laughs> well, it's not mine, it's the post, but thank you. I'll take credit. But that's so beautiful because, you see, you know, when you look at, St. Joseph, you you think of God the Father choosing a man that had his qualities. You mentioned them, being just, being righteous, being prayerful, being a man who would lead his son, Jesus, yep. to the Heavenly Father. And this is something we, we talked about the Chosen earlier then, and why we want everyone to come see it, because you see that in, in these episodes. You're going to see how Jesus relates to his Father in Heaven. And in a very Jewish way, obviously, right. Jews was a, uh, Jesus was a faithful Jew. Mm -hmm. So what we want is to emphasize Joseph yesterday on Father's Day, why we put him on the cover of the bulletin, why we honored him during Mass, because, and we honor him now during every Mass because he's yep. present in Eucharistic prayer, but we, we mention him as a model because those are the characteristics we want in our fathers. Men who will lead our children to Jesus. Men who will shelter their family during the storm with Jesus in the boat and lead them through the storm and into safe harbor. And that's something that's sorely missing in our world. And so the two of us, you know, we're, we're blessed that we had fathers who took us to Mass on Sunday, fathers who taught us to pray, fathers who taught us how to be just, fathers who taught us to be righteous men. Do we sometimes live up to what they want us to be? No. But you know what? But that's life. That, that's life. But, <laughs> but we try. Exactly. You know, I still get grief from my father, and I'm a priest, and I'm 45 years old. People call me father, but my father, you know, my father, it, you know, because you know what? He is still not done with me. Perfect. Just like God is not done with me, my father is mm -hmm. not done with me. Yep. And there are days that, you know, I'm like, you know, I look at him like, dude, come on. I don't get anymore. But when I think back on the lessons he's still trying to teach me, because who else is going to, you know, yes, I have my fatherly figure in the archbishop sure, and my priest mentors, but no one's going to tell it to me straight like my father. Just like your father yep. will tell it to you straight. Yep, for sure. And I, I got a healthy dose of that when uh, when I actually became a father myself. Because, ah. uh, you know, arrogant arrogant me, you know, gets married, thinks he's got it all figured out, and then... But you don't have it all figured out. I don't out. have it all figured out, you know, and then, and then I became a father, uh, and to hold my kids in my hand, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. So, and that's and that's where, you know, I, I my relationship with my own father kind of went to the next level because, you know, before I'd never talked to him about, you know, what was it like raising kids? Yeah, we we talked about obviously we we experienced life together and and I, you know, I knew what what he, how he raised me and and what what things were important. But now having to do that myself. You know, now, now I have that opportunity to, you know, to pick my dad's brain and, you know, 
was it this hard for you? You know, we, we were actually just talking at the at the breakfast table yesterday after mass. You know, and and we go, God, we don't, I don't know how you did it with three. We we're barely surviving with two. You're, you, they have to play zone. You only yeah. you have man to man. <laughs> yeah, but but the beauty is that, you know, and and we're getting kind of stories of our own uh, upbringing now that that we didn't even know about. And the third was Hinamari, so and, talk about a handful. Yeah, for sure. Hinamari, shout out. There you go. There you go. The, I hate you guys. <laughs> no, that's Hinamari, not, not your wife. No, now we're gonna get it from her too. Oh, okay. Um, but but we and you know and he shares with us some of the some of his own struggles, uh, and, and I take great consolation in that. Uh, because I've always looked to my father as, you know, kind of like, and I, it's weird to say kind of like St. Joseph, but but in a sense, yes, you know, he, a man of few words, a man of, of yeah, deep faith. just like mine. Um, a man, you know, who, yes, I know he, he didn't have it all figured out and it wasn't perfect, but I never saw him really struggle. You know, I never really saw him suffer. I never, I think I saw him cry once in, in his entire, in my entire childhood when, when his own father passed away. Uh, so, so to kind of now, you know, have these conversations with him, and kind of see his humanity and, and see the the difficulties that he had and, and how he went through that in deep faith, you know, again sheltering his entire family from that, you know, kind of taking that weight upon himself uh, with my mom so that we would never even know about it, you know, so that so that we could have the childhood and, and the life that we have. That's so so beautiful. That's so beautiful, and and again, I, I take great consolation in that, and and just being able to share that with him now, and say, and and have the the humility to say, okay, yeah, this is this is where I'm struggling now, you know, how did it work for you? How did how did you get through it? Let's let me pick your brain, and and let me allow you to help me in in my own struggle now, you know, so that my kids don't know what's going on, or or don't have to you know suffer because of that, and, and let me take that weight on for for them. And that's so important because. We always say, well, where is God, you know, when something bad happens? And the thing is, in our own lives, things happen to us, but we never say, where's dad? Yep. Where's mom? They're there. And they're probably, when we're kids, protecting us from 95% of what's going on oh, yeah. there. I'll give you an analogy. Your daughter's three years old and or is about to enter pre-K three, but I look at my pre-K three kids this past year, or a year older than your daughter. And during the pandemic, them they were the best in the entire school at wearing the mask. Yeah. Why? Because, you know, their life's a little more compact. So pretty much now for a year and four months, putting on a mask is like, okay, I guess this That's is normal. part of life. Yep. This is part of life because they don't know anything else because before that they were too young to understand. So your daughter doesn't complain. You took her out on Friday. She doesn't complain, doesn't yep. make a face when she has to put on a mask. So... She almost Same. looks forward to it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes with the, the scowl. The irony makes, of that, yeah. right? <laughs> so that yeah, she's just a, a young lady of many expressions, you know, a goddaughter of mine. But here's the thing. The reason I make that analogy is that, you know, we don't know any better when we're children. And so our parents are the ones that have to guide us, and they will shelter. So, like, I wasn't privy until I was older to all the financial difficulties mm-hmm. my parents went through. I found out when I was older, all the jobs my father, you know, worked to be able to put food on the table for yep. us. Especially for me, when I was born, my, I was, my parents got married at 18 and 19. Different time. This is 40, I'm trying to remember my parents, 47 years ago, in two weeks, uh, they turned. Nice. 
So, so big party in three years. We yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, don't give my mom ideas. She's listening to this. But you know, but she, you'll get a that, mom, in get, that case an even bigger party yeah, in you're three gonna, years. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you'll get a party, mom. <laughs> anyway, so but they were going through all these. Got married eighteen nineteen a year and a half after they were married. I was born, and so now it's not just the two of them. Now they have to feed a baby, yep. and so you have all these things. And my I think my mother uh, told me one time, and, and this was long ago. This was probably when I was a teenager. She goes when. Your father was working, and I and I think I have the figure in mind. We, you know, he made something dollars and twenty three cents, and in our budget, we budgeted those twenty three cents. Wow! So it was something. It was it was that. It was it was something that obviously we never experienced because you could ask my sister and my brother was around. You could ask my brother. We had an amazing childhood. I, I spoke about at the beginning of the homily yesterday. We'd go on the boat. We had fun on the boat. Yep. It was crazy. All these things that we would do on the boat, even when we weren't on the boat, we were camping, all these things, going fishing off bridges, all these things. I don't know why storms always ended up being part of it, but, you know, we live in Florida. That's, that's what happens. Sure. So, you know, they sheltered us from that. And so we had an amazing childhood because they sheltered it. It doesn't mean that they sheltered us from and didn't prepare us for the world, didn't prepare us for any eventual suffering, didn't harden us up for the world. They did, you know. My parents raised a priest. Yep. You know, they also raised a sign language interpreter. They also raised a firefighter. Shake that with a stick. Yep. Okay? Speak that with a stick is, is the expression. <laughs> Sorry. My apologies to Aaron Sirkin who wrote that line. Okay? So, but, you know, they, they did an amazing job. And they prepared us for the world. And they prepared us in terms of our faith. And so, there was a great quote from San Jose Maria Criba that I came across last night I was, as I was going to bed about fatherhood. And it, it, would, it will rub some people the wrong way, especially in the society we live in right now in 2021. I mean, he's talking about fatherhood. Be a man. But above all, be a saint. That's it. Because that's, that's, that's important. It. Be a man, but be a saint. You know, and you can see that. And I and I'm thinking about it. I don't know why yesterday, I was thinking a lot about my dad's dad, my grandfather who died 30 years ago this September. So I'm thinking, my goodness, I'm so blessed because my father had to bury his dad at, when he was 10 years younger than I was. So, and I can't think of the last 10 years without my father. Right. And you know, becoming a past. You know, I was already a priest, but becoming a pastor. You know, doing all these things you know, having to bury the rest of my grandparents, you know, having to bury my brother, all these things can't, couldn't imagine doing without mm -hmm. my father. And yet my father had to live a big chunk of his life already without his father. And both his father and my mom's father were men of few words, were men who, you know, very different, but were men that, you know, were providers, men who were just, men who were righteous, you know, they wouldn't, I wouldn't classify them as churchmen. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents really didn't start coming to church until they got married, thankfully, because of, of Camino de Matrimonio when they went, did their marriage, pre-marriage retreat. But still, you know, both my grandfathers were men 
who were men of action, who displayed their faith through action, not through words, but through action. And they provided for their families because they had to lead their families into exile. So you think of all the, you know, all the great fathers that the church has, and even outside, because sometimes we have, you know, you and I spend so much time worrying about the Catholics who aren't here, but sometimes these Catholics that aren't here are living extraordinary lives of faith without going to Mass. Absolutely. doesn't say you don't have to go to Mass. That's not what Father is saying. But what I'm saying is that, you know, simpler men who lived simpler lives, my my paternal grandfather at 16 left his hometown, went to the other side of Cuba to go to the copper mines. My maternal grandfather, born in Maria, came, you know, came here, was a welder, and both provided for their families. And that's what you see in St. Joseph, a provider. And that's the song at the call who leads our jingles, you know, into, into the podcast. They, they wrote, and we put it up on the, on the Facebook page, yes, on Friday, that Joseph is the humble provider who provided for Mary, who provided for Jesus, protected them, and led them through the many storms that they encountered throughout their lives. Now, I have a question for you because something I was thinking about last night. You were talking earlier about when you held your children. How did your life change when you became a father? Deep. Well, here we go. Well, um, the first time, and I, I apologize if I get a little choked That's up okay. here. Because uh, the first time I held my children, uh, they were already in heaven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the my first my first two, my twins, um, they were stillborn. And, you know, that image of holding them uh, always hits deep because... They were immediately baptized, and then the nurses put them in my arms, mm-hmm. and and uh, you know Father Davis described it best because he was there with me, and he just said, you know, I I looked at you, and all I saw was a father who was loving his children into heaven, um, and I don't actually remember this, but one of the nurses that was with me, uh, you know, I was wearing the scrubs and it had a a pocket in the in the pants, and she saw my phone there. Uh, and at, at some point in, in the middle of all this, you know, she had the wherewithal to say, uh, to ask me, would you like a, a picture? And she actually took my phone, uh, from my, from my own pocket and, and took a picture of me holding Cata and Lucas. Uh, and it's a photo I've, I've never shared. I, you know, that, that's a photo for, for Angie and, and for myself. Um, and I, I often look back at that photo, uh, cause that's what it's about. You know, you said, how, how did your life change when you became a father? And not to go into too many details, but I, Angie almost lost her life that day, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we talk about a father who sacrifices everything to get his children into heaven. And in, in that darkest morning of my life, the, the, I don't even remember the rest of that day because just the shock of, of everything that had happened because uh, it, it came so unexpected. I, when I look at that picture, and, and I think back to Father Davis's words, you know, I just saw a father who was loving his children into heaven, you know, where, where nothing else mattered. My job didn't matter. My salary didn't matter. The size of my house didn't matter. The car I was driving didn't matter. The, the amount of money or lack of money in my bank account didn't matter. 
all that mattered was that these two children made it to heaven. Yeah, and for for them, obviously, they they went straight there. So it wasn't so much a struggle for for me. But you you kind of see that again the, the the snapshot of that, the snapshot of that where kind of job well done. In in a sense, because I. I Angie carried these these babies for for 23 weeks and literally gave her almost gave her life for them yeah, and and as she was being wheeled off into the emer- into the emergency room for for the operation her last words to me could have potentially been make sure they get baptized you know so she wasn't even thinking about her own her own self her own life whether whether she would make it or not all she cared about in that instant was Make sure that these children get baptized. You know, do what, do whatever you have to do to to get in there with with Father Davis and, and get water on these kids' foreheads and get them baptized so that they get into heaven, whether whether they survive or not. The most important thing is the eternal salvation of their souls, you know, even at 23 weeks of pregnancy, you know, 23 weeks gestation, being being stillborn. And then, so kind of fast forward, uh, you know, when when Lexi comes around and. You know, to hold her, and it's kind of the, the polar opposite of of uh, what we experienced in the the silence of the of the first round. Uh, you know, and now we've got Lexi, and then MJ comes around, and, and oh my God, that kid wouldn't stop screaming, and, and he still hasn't stopped screaming. <laughs> no, he hasn't. So, so, you know, how did how did my life change? I mean, everything changed because I you, you kind of have to die to yourself. You know, and I I just said it. You know, it, when I look back on that picture, nothing else mattered. All that mattered was my children. And now, you know, today with with a three year old and a one year old who absolutely drive us insane, you know, everything else still doesn't matter. You know, where I live doesn't matter. My job, as much as I love it, is is secondary. All the stuff I own means absolutely nothing, because the most important thing is my children. You know, my role as father to to protect them, to raise them, uh, you know, to to hopefully you know make them good and and righteous people and just people and and at the end of the day to make sure that they get into heaven. Yeah, you know, that's it. Period. End of story. That's what it's about. Yeah, you know, and, and that's what we spend our entire life, what we will spend our entire life doing, uh, for our children. Yeah, and and kind of to bring it back to my own father, the day of my wedding, uh, I was getting dressed at his at their house, uh, at my parents' house. We were gonna go take photos at the Biltmore beforehand, uh, before the wedding. So I finished getting dressed and I went upstairs to say goodbye, to you know to tell them I'd see them at the church, and I couldn't find the words for it. You know, just knowing that that would be the last time I left that house. You know as. As a as a single man, because I was about to go get married and start my own life, and start I, your own family, and start my own family. Yeah, I I kind of got choked up, and my father kind of knew, you know, he, and, and this is where that that quiet, uh, that man of few words, that quiet strength, that quiet faith, where where we kind of connected again on, on a on a different level. He knew what kind of what I was thinking, what I was going through, and he didn't have to say anything, you know, and he just. He just embraced me, and, and all I could muster was, you know, I hope to someday become a, a husband and a, and a father in the same way that you have been. Uh, and, and 
and away we go, you know, and life forever changed that day, and it changed again when I had the twins, and it changed again when I had Lexi, and it changed again when I had MJ, because with each of those things, I became less and less important, because now my children became more and more important in the, in the way that I live my life, in everything that I'm doing and everything that I'm giving to ensure that they make it to heaven, that they make that their, the salvation of their souls is Angie and my top and only priority. And, you know, this is something that, you know, you and I have talked about this before. And what we're getting at here in terms of fatherhood and motherhood is that your life is no longer your own. You're worried about your only concern is the salvation of your children. And that's what a father and a mother do. Uh, it's amazing you talk about when you left the house to get married. You were how old? I forget how old you were when you got married. You uh, Twenty-seven. Okay, so you were you're older than when I was when I was ordained. Let me go a little earlier when I was ordained. I was ordained at twenty-six, but when I left for seminary, I was a month shy of my eighteenth birthday. I was seventeen, and my parents dropped me off at the seminary. And uh, you and I both know that at the end of the hallway, there's a beautiful chapel in yep. the dorm, the Holy Family Chapel, where you and I have found solace many, many times. Uh, my parents took me into that chapel. They, you know, had much to, I didn't have, I didn't have many possessions. Possessions. I, you know, I had a bag and, yep. and a couple of shirts on a, and a hanger and and a tiny little, you know, cassette deck boom, a little <laughs> tiny mini boombox. That's about it. And when I say boombox, I say that, you know, very sarcastically. Um, so when they were about to leave, we go into that chapel, and it was my father who led a prayer over me, saying, Lord, you gave him to us, and now we give him back to you. Well, and I'll never forget that. Cue, cue the waterworks. Right exactly there. right. When, and, by, and I have to preface this by saying, you know, folks, when we do a podcast, Jorge and I rarely discuss what we're going to talk about. We may say we're going to touch on this and that, but the details, you know, Jorge had no idea I was going to ask him that question of what, you know, what changed when he became a father. And, you know, and we're, I'm sitting, we're sitting at a table and he's probably three feet away from me and there's all wires the, and microphones. All, this, all sorts of equipment. And during this entire time he was talking, <laughs> I just wanted to go over and hug him because he was there welling up. But, you know, that, that day, it was the 18th of August of 1993 when I entered seminary. Um, it was such an important day and it reminds me so much when I tell parents, you know, you raise them, and when you send them off to college, you say, Lord, they're in your hands. We did... We did our best. We, we did what... Yeah, we did our best. We did what we were called to do. And I explained that at the 530 Mass yesterday, when I said, when you bring your children to be baptized, the priest or the deacon asks you, you brought your children to be baptized, you're charged with educating them in the Catholic faith, and to bring them up according to the law of, Jesus, of Christ and His Church, do you clearly understand what you were undertaking as Christian parents. And you say, I do. So, you know, that is something both our parents did. You know, and, and I know that, that they take great pride in, in knowing that their children walk in the ways of the Lord. And that's, I, I want to say, there was, there, was, there was a little saying that my mother had, I don't know, uh, in the refrigerator when we were, when we were children, or when we were teenagers, that 
You know, it, it, nothing gives more joy to a parent, I'm paraphrasing here, than knowing that your children walk in the footsteps of yep. Christ. And so that's what fathers are called to do. Is there a crisis of fatherhood in our, in, in our world? Yes, absolutely. You know, and yes, are there extraordinary men and women who were raised without a father? Yes, absolutely, because mother, mothers had to be both father and mother. And, you know, we, and we applaud them. And we, and, and we pray for all our fathers uh, because, you know, it is such an amazing responsibility. I'm a spiritual father. I will never know what you went through the day that the twins passed. I will never understand the joy when Lexi and MJ were born. I experienced that joy, but not at the same level as you did because that's, your flesh and blood. So, but yet, being a spiritual father, I get to walk on that journey with so many yep. people, and through the ups and downs. And boy, have you and I been through those ups oh, and man. downs. But <laughs> and we're just getting started. Oh, it's, please! Oh my goodness! <laughs> Let, let's get more ups and more ups, please. So, um, and there've been plenty. So, when it comes to fatherhood, we need to understand something very basic, and that's that. You know, so many times we resent our fathers because of this, because of that, and we hold it against them. You know, I always say, and I always joke about this, the only thing I hold against my father is that he didn't let me stay up to watch that Monday the Night Dolphins Football game. against the <laughs> Chicago Bears. How, you know, I've, I've heard this story plenty. Yes, plenty. because, <laughs> you know, that's the only thing. In 45 years of my life, truly, it's the only thing. I mean, and, I, and, I, and, it, and it's a joke, Okay. Because, you know, two weeks later, we had another Monday night game in person. So, uh, because my father was in his early 20s when, when he had three children. And you could tell me better than, than he could. There's no playbook. You're figuring out as you go as along. As you go. Yeah. As you go. I, I see the two and, of you. And no two days are the same. And, and you could find yourself in the exact same situation one day to the next. And, mm -hmm. and you're, the, the response needed is going to be totally, totally different from one day to the next. Right. Now, both of us, because of our relation with the father, by the way, we're not doing a sports segment today. I was going to say that. That, that that little dolphin section right there, that yeah, was our that, sports that was a segment. segment. <laughs> but no, but I'm going to bring it back into something because we talked about this on, on, on Saturday night. Um, our relation with our fathers and the game of baseball. Uh, I remember... And I want it related to this. When I was 14 years old, Field of Dreams came wow. out. And yeah. If you build it, they will come. And I, you know, I watched the movie and I go, eh, you know, I was 14 years old. It's a little cheesy. I mean, it's about baseball, but, you know, ghosts coming out of, uh, out of you know, the cornfield and all that stuff. And I really didn't know baseball history all that well. Fast forward to my first year in seminary. And even though I was only seven miles away from my parents, and you and I, thankfully, when we were in college, we were never very far right. until we went out to graduate school. But we were never very far from our from our homes. And every time we got in seminary, we were able to go home. But my first year of seminary, I remember both of our, we both had the same professors in seminary, Dr. Solis and, and Dr. Santos. Uh, during Philosophy 101, they showed us the movie Field of Dreams. I'm like, why are you showing us this movie? I already seen this movie. And, but I saw it, and for the first time, I go, this isn't a baseball movie. It's a movie about fathers and sons. It's about 
the simple action of playing catch playing with catch. your father. Yep. And I'll never forget, uh, was the year after we opened the new stadium, I think 2013, that they sold off everything. My father and I said, we're not going, we're not supporting this team. And so opening day, you know, we just went out to the backyard. It was, I had a day off and we just played catch. Nice. Okay. I was, you know, two grown men, their backyard playing catch. And, and now you're, you have a degree in philosophy. I have a degree in philosophy. You know, why is that so important? <laughs> the, the give and take in terms of the depth of playing catch. I mean, it, it, that's life. That's, that's God's relationship with us, the, mm-hmm. the give and take. And, and, you know, he gives and we receive and, and we give back and he receives. And I just, we, we could do another, an entire, another 45 minutes on this. <laughs> on, a field of, on a field of dreams. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, every, everything in life is give and take, uh, is, is back and forth. And, and that's relationship in a nutshell is, is, you know, the, this sharing back and forth. Mm-hmm. And and that's something that I didn't figure out. I was, you know, I first saw the movie when I was 14, now I was 18 and a half when, when I saw it again. And I remember going to the Blockbuster video that was there on the corner 87th and Coral Wait. And buying Blockbuster, right? <laughs> and buying the videotape yep. of Field of Dreams, and I took it to my father. And I still can't see that movie without. Uh, just losing it at the end when he realized that the reason he did all that was not to resurrect, no. you know, J- uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson. Uh, look up the, the, if you don't know what we're talking about, look up the synopsis of the movie. Uh, it's not to resurrect the soul of Shoeless Joe Jackson or redeem Shoeless Joe Jackson. It's to redeem his relation with his father, no. which was a fractured relationship at best, you know, that Ray Kinsella had with his father. And... Everything that is around that movie, and it is such a spiritually profound movie on so many... We're talking about The Chosen, you know, and, and wow, that's the life of Jesus, totally different. But you're talking about spiritually profound movies that... And that that one, it was so powerful. So it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I understood that. And I'm there, and we're watching this in the conference room of the library. And thankfully, I'm in, in the back of the conference room, and I'm like, yeah, and I'm, I'm not crying. I'm not crying. Who's cutting onions? I'm not crying. Got some allergies going on. Yeah, major allergies. <laughs> because when when um, Kevin Costner says, "Dad, yeah. you want you know I'm, I'm tearing. I'm just saying it. Dad, you want to have a catch? Yeah. I'm like, come on. It's like so. That's why I know that you know MJ's kind of favoring his left hand right now. He is. He, he threw something. He threw a toy the, uh, yes this morning with so, his left hand. I was like, yes, we yeah, got a so lefty. Come on, we got a lefty. So. <laughs> I know that for you, and I asked you this last night because we were. I sent I sent you a video of one of the Marlins players, Miguel Rojas, yeah. playing catch with a, a, a young Cubs fan in Wrigley Field, and I sent it to you. I go, can you imagine the first time MJ is able to do this? And you're like, I wish I was able to do yeah. that because there's a kid in all of us. Um, but when you play catch with your son, oh boy, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a, a few tissue boxes. Yeah, because, when I get back inside. <laughs> because and and like you said, that's the relationship that God our Father has with us. You know, obviously it's more one sided. Yep. He's the one that's generous. He's the one that gives and gives and gives, and we take, take, take. But there's supposed to be this dialogue, yep. this back and forth between us and our heavenly Father that is so important in our spiritual relationship because 
we have to be asking constantly, Lord, what do you want from me? That's what Jesus' life was. That's why he went off in the morning to pray, to be in one with his Father and to play catch, to pray. That's what prayer is all about. It shouldn't be so one-sided. We have to shut up sometimes and listen to that voice from heaven that calls us out through the storm. I mentioned that wonderful line from Who Am I, the song from Casting Crows. Yeah. Who am I that the voice that calmed the seas would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me? Our hearts are so cluttered right now with the voices of the world, with all the stuff that's going on in the world. You know, escape the echo chambers of social media, of politics, of, of the news channels, of all that stuff, and go and seek refuge sure. in the Blessed Sacrament. Go and seek refuge in our church. Go and seek refuge in your prayer life. Heck, and just go outside and have a, have a catch. No, exactly. <laughs> and just do that. It's summer. We're supposed to be outdoors. Yep. Enjoy the creation. You know, many of us will go to the beach. I know yep. you're going to the beach next week. You know, I'll be in the beach. It feels like, you know, ages from now, but next month. But all these things, it's God's gift to us. It's God our Father giving himself to us, giving him, giving him, giving us our Lord Jesus Christ, the greatest, greatest gift that he ever gave us. So we thank God this day for our fathers. And thank you, George, for for sharing that on this, our 10th episode. It is episode 10, yes. And so because I just mentioned you're going to be at the beach next week and I'm going to be, Lord knows where, next, next month, uh, we're going to take a little brief hiatus. I don't think we could top that next week. No, <laughs> not even close. So we'll, uh, we are, because we're going, we're, our vacations kind of overlap. Long, long overdue vacations and here. Very long overdue vacations. So we will be coming back to you uh, in August, in, in August. early August. Uh, we'll bring back Monday Morning Homeless. For season two. Uh, season two. Are we doing seasons? Is that, what, is that what we're doing? It allows us to do seasons, so I why not? I guess. So uh, revisit the 10 episodes that uh, we've uh that we recorded, share them. Please share them with others. We we're getting great down, you know, great statistics on downloads. We don't care about that in terms of like because we're not looking for sponsors. We just want to preach the word of God and get this message up. Share this episode. Share this episode. Um, it was powerful, and um, we want to go into prayer and and just offer it up. You know, this prayer for our fathers. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God, our Father, we give you thanks and praise for fathers young and old. We pray for young fathers, newly embracing their vocation. May they find courage and perseverance to balance work, family, and faith in joy and sacrifice. We pray for our own fathers around the world whose children are lost or suffering. May they know that, God of, that the God of compassion walks with them in their sorrow. We pray for men who are not fathers, but still mentor and guide us with fatherly love and advice. And we remember fathers, grandfathers, great-grandfathers who are no, no longer with us, but who live forever in our memory and nourish us with their love. We pray for all our fathers. Make them men of faith. Make us just and righteous men like St. Joseph, that they may always guide us and lead us into heaven. Amen. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.